Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Stuff dads never say. I have never said a single thing that was just on the screen there, right? Exactly the opposite, actually, at my house. I'm just kind of watching my family have never seen that. And they're like, I know that they're just tracking with that because I've never said those things, nor will I say those things. You've never heard them before, so you're welcome. Happy Father's Day. There you go. Hey, again, happy Father's Day for real now. I'm so grateful that you're here. And some of you brought your dads, which is really, really cool. And we just want to honor dads today, whether you're a dad by biology or dad by choice. We just want to say thank you to all of our dads. Come on, give it up for our dads. And as a way of saying thank you, not only do we show cool videos, we also want to give you some dad's root beer as you leave today. So they're in the coolers and they're cold. So as you leave, I didn't want to do it. You'd be all distracted, spraying it on each other, doing dad things. I didn't want to do all that and have to clean the sanctuary after you leave. So you're going to get one of those as you leave. They're all twist off, so it's all nice and easy, cool and refreshing as you go about the rest of your day, and hopefully you have a good Father's Day. Has, let me just ask you guys, have you guys had a good week so far? Everybody, have you guys had, you had a good week? A couple good weeks, some people don't know. I, I didn't really start out with that great of a week. I was at the gym on Monday morning, and I got done with my workout, and I'm uh, just kind of get myself ready to go into the office, and I'm standing in the mirror, and the, and the sink at the gym is like half full of water, and I'm sitting there. I have this, this voice in my head that said, hey, Chad, and, and that's what it sounds like, too. It sounds like my voice, so just in case you think I'm crazy, I am, and it's like, hey, Chad, you probably want to take out your AirPod before you go up to a sink that's half full of water, just in case it may fall out of your ear and then also fall into the sink, and then the other voice said, Oh, it's no big deal. I do this all the time. There's no way that it's going to fall out of my ear. Unless, of course, I stepped up to the mirror like I did, and then all of a sudden, bloop, it went. And that's how my week started, which was not so awesome. And, And then it didn't play whatsoever for a while, but I did what you do in these situations. I put it in rice. And you know what? I resurrected that joker in two days. So I'm back. And I didn't have to spend another $100 or whatever on another set of AirPods. So it got better as the week progressed. And this is the beginning of a brand new week. And today is a great day. I'm stoked to be here. I'm stoked to bring this message. If you are brand new to Calvary, I want you to know that you are like walking into week three of a series called The Irresistible Church. And what we've been looking at and talking about so far are the irresistible factors that existed in the early church in order that that the church was irresistible irresistible for those who were outside of the church to come into the church. And people came in droves into the church, and they loved being there. So we're looking at these qualities to say, could we become this church? What what do we have to do to to align ourselves to be those type of people that existed in the first century church so that we can become those people here in the century that we live, in the county that we live, in the city that we live. And we love our city and we love our county, but we want all of them to know Jesus. That's just what it's about. Amen? We want them to know Jesus Christ. So this has a strong missional message that comes with it. Week one, we talked about irresistible love. Week two, last week, we talked about the irresistible mission that people just love to be on mission for God. And there was one particular verse we landed on and spent some time on. 
It was Acts 1.8, and it said, But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. So there was this, this witnessing, this missional side that the people were invited into. And now what we're going to see is there's an irresistible power that God gives us people, irresistible power. We live in a day and age where people are power hungry. Don't you agree? People, there are all sorts of power dynamics. We're all, we tend to be in America goal driven and that kind of thing. And we use power dynamics. It's one gender over the other. Many times it's personal agendas. It's social agendas. Sometimes it's political agendas. Sometimes it's spiritual agendas. Sometimes we just have low empathy for those with little power and I'm, I'm saddened by the abuse scandals that have happened in the church and outside the church in politics and in, in D.C. as a whole and in, in Hollywood. And I'm saddened by those things. And, but I want you to know that this is not the heart of Jesus. Instead, this is what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't try to use his power to overpower others. Instead, Jesus empowers others with his power. Jesus empowers others with his power. Here's what I mean. There's a passage of scripture in Romans 5, 5 through 8. It says this, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ uses his power to empower us, and he empowers us with his power. This is something that he didn't have to do, but he chooses to do. And we're going to see today in the passage of scripture in Acts 2 of how God shares his power because he's a generous God in more ways than just finances. He's a generous God and he shares his power with some people and that is a way of equipping them to live out the mission that he's already called them to do. It's the same mission that we're supposed to be leaning into. What I love about the passage that I just read, we read together perhaps, in Romans 5 is this. It says that God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This is talking about about believers, about followers of Christ. Those who have committed their lives to Jesus. But you see, it, it, it comes by way of not having it all together. Instead, it's people who are powerless. And I just know this morning that there's somebody in the house today who's, who feels powerless over a situation. Who feels powerless, maybe in a relationship that you're in the middle of and you just simply don't know what to do. I want you to know that, the, that God offers power to get through and over and to be able to handle those situations too. I know sometimes maybe it's a, a relational strain that we're in the middle of and you feel powerless to overcome it. Maybe it's a financial situation you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're just in the middle of like a, a doubt crisis and you believe and yet you want to believe and you're holding on to believe and yet you're in a season of doubt and I just want you to know God has the ability and he will give you the power, if you ask for it, to give you the power to even overcome those doubts so that you can not just live but you can thrive. And he loves us throughout the whole process. Did you know that Jesus loves you? That he loves you? That even while you and I were powerless, and while even though you are powerless, that Jesus Christ willingly submitted himself and he died on a cross to take away your sins. To take away your sins. 
And it wasn't just this big religious thing that happened. It was something that changed human history. But this is something that Jesus did because he wanted to share his power with us. And we see a great example of this in the scriptures that we're going to read in just a couple of moments. A few years ago, I had an opportunity. Well, I say a few years ago, like it's been a few years. A few means uh, three or more. So it's been more, more, more. So back in the 90s, uh, <laughs> that's how far back. It's like, hello. Yeah, you know, a few, um, as if, you know, it's the year 2000. But uh, back in the 90s, whenever I was in the service, and by the way, I just want to say thank you to all you taxpayers and from 93 to 97. You actually, you funded my travel to see the world. And I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, I got to see parts of the world a few times. I say that tongue-in-cheek, not to, not to make you mad, but you did pay taxes, so thank you. But uh, on both um, Mediterranean Persian Gulf cruises that I was able to take, um, I, I got to go to Jerusalem both times. But one of those times, I got to go to the Wailing Wall. It's the Western Wall. It's, it's the Western Wall. It's, it's kind of a historical thing not only for Christians, but also Jewish people and also Islamic people. So there's a hub of all beliefs that were there. What's interesting about this, this particular place is any time that you go into Jerusalem, and particularly the holy city, there's just something that happens whenever you get into the city. If anyone who's ever gone into Jerusalem, you know this. It's like, or any of these holy sites in that part of the world, you just know when you go into that place that something spiritually significant happened. And maybe it's, it's goosebumps, maybe in me talking about it, I have goosebumps right now. But like whether it's goosebumps or you just have a sense and a presence like that God did something incredible in that time, you just know it. And this was one of those times. So we are, we're taking a tour of Jerusalem, which cost me $15, which was amazing. And we got to see the, the Elvis Inn outside of Jerusalem. True story. I can tell you that one later. But then we eventually land upon the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. It's the Western Wall of one of the old temples of Herod's temple, actually, the second temple of Herod in the old city of Jerusalem. And what's interesting about that is we got told some specific things when we were on the bus. Before we got out of the bus, they said, hey, by the way, I just want you to know there are about three or four buses of American sailors and Marines. Context is important here. They tell us, say, hey, when you get off the bus, be respectful. I'm like, you can do that. And they said, don't look too American. Don't look too American. Now, that's important. Can I see that jacket? This is actually the jacket that I was wearing at that exact moment in time. As I'm going up to the Western Wailing Wall, there's nothing more American than that. And also, there's nothing that says I'm a winner more than that. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I live in the past. The 80s were pretty good for us. 70s, even better. But I was wearing this jacket, and they said, hey, when you go up to the wall, don't look too American. I'm like, okay, I failed on that one horribly, right? But, but be respectful. So I'm wearing this jacket. I'm with some friends. We're cutting up. We're, this is like a day vacation for us. Take the tour. We go up to the Western Wailing Wall, and it was amazing. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And, and just being there, although I didn't fully know all of what was happening, I just sensed that that was that there was a, that was a holy moment in a holy space. That geographically, if I were to give you the, the latitude and longitude of the Western Wailing Wall, as I step through security across that courtyard, and I'm looking at the at the Wailing Wall, and there are just droves of people 
praying, some crying, as, as the term implies, wailing. They're wailing at, the, at this wall from something that happened centuries and centuries before. All because they all believed, thanks dear, they all believed that something spiritually significant happened inside that place. You see, all of that, the reason why they go there is because they, they go there with this expectation, not only are they mourning a loss, but also an expectation that God would do something. The people that we're going to read about in Acts 2, starting in verse 1, these people are in the upper room. We know that there's about 120 of them. There's a large group of people in the upper room. They're expecting God to do something. They're expecting God to do something. They're living with the hope and the message and with this, this idea that Jesus had given them that, that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And now the people are gathered together in this room and they're waiting for God to do something. And here's the thing I can tell you this morning. If you're waiting on God to do something and you position yourself spiritually in a place to receive what it is you're waiting for, more than likely God will give you and God will, he will either give you directly what you want or you'll be satisfied with what God gives you because it's actually better than what you want. That's a good place for an amen. I could give you testimony over and over and over to prove that that's true. Let's go back, back in time into Acts 2, verse 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, this is 50 days after the Passover. Pentecost means 50th. It's 50 days after Passover. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? However, there's always a group that's a little confused. Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They hadn't had too much wine, by the way. This was just the release of the Holy Spirit on a day in history called Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. And the Passover itself was a, a, a Jewish time of celebration, and it was a significant time for the early church. Some call this the launch of the early church. Some think that the early church, or that the church actually began in the Old Testament and simply carried to the New Testament. I'll let other people debate that, but what I can tell you is this was a miracle, and miracles still happen today. God still does miracles today. 
Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, and Ladies Bible Study had conversations about this, which I think is exciting and it's great, uh, talking about the, the reality of miracles. Do they happen? Do they not happen? Does God move? Is the Spirit alive? The Spirit is alive. Miracles happen, and God is unchanging. Amen. In, in, at Pentecost, they're simply waiting for God to show up. They're waiting for God to show up. They had a history of, of listening and living by faith as much as they could in those moments. And now they're waiting because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit would come to them, that would be the very thing that would kick off the mission. If they were to just to go and to just to hear the message of Jesus and just to leave without the power of God, their work would have been stomped out really early. Instead, the Holy Spirit of God in Acts 2, at the day of Pentecost, fills the believers and gives them the ability, it says tongues, you can think of this as either dialects or, or they were known languages. This isn't religious gibberish. This isn't angelic languages as some would, as some would believe. This is actually dialects. These are known languages and this passage verifies that because it says they were the ability, they have the ability to speak in these tongues, but also it says in two verses that we just read that they were known languages. It was the known languages of all the areas around the the Mediterranean rim. You may ask why. The reason why is the Holy Spirit was empowering the, the early believers to live on mission and to share the good news. That's why. That's why. So, this was a significant day, and there was a, a reputation that they had had because they, they were waiting together, and the reputation was set there by Jesus that, that if they would sit and wait, that God would deliver them. He would offer them something that they needed to complete the mission. There's a place in, captured in an uh, area of France called Lourdes, France, that also has a reputation. It has a reputation for miracles. In 1858, there was a young girl named Bernadette who claimed to see a vision there. And the story was spread. Bernadette's vision as what she, what she had seen spread. And it spread through decade after decade after decade. Fast forward to 1987. An individual by the name of Jean-Pierre, he traveled to Lourdes, France. You may say, well, why did he travel there? It's because he was expecting God to do something too. He was anticipating a miracle. The miracle that he was hoping for was to be cured of multiple sclerosis. He was confined to a wheelchair. And while he was in the middle of a service there and people were praying over him, he felt something strange happening inside of him. He said this, In a fraction of a second, I lost all sense of time and space. God was coming to cure my heart. I was invaded by by a powerful feeling of liberation and peace that I'd never experienced before. After that experience, Jean-Pierre started to feel tingling in his legs. This is 1987. A few days later, he took his first unaided steps in years. After further examinations, Jean-Pierre going in front of the doctor, 
The doctors were scratching their head and said it's a medical mystery. But Jean-Pierre knew that it was a miracle. That God did that. That he had gone there for healing and he was expecting God to do something. And in that moment, God did it. Oh, people of God. If you're living with anticipation and are expecting God to do something, stay in the faith. Stay in the faith. Keep trusting. Keep believing. God is faithful. He may not give you exactly what you want, but what he will give you, if he doesn't give you exactly what you want, he will give you something better than what you want because it's actually what you need. And that, in turn, you will find out is what you need, and not only that, but it's also deeply what you want. The three things we're going to gather around, the first one is taken from verses 1 through 3. I want you to see that they were all together. It makes it clear in the Scripture. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or dialects or languages as the Spirit enabled them. They were all together. The city of Jerusalem at that time, because it was a time of... Pentecost itself was a time of celebration. Not just a a Christian festival, but a Jewish festival. Many people would be flocking into the city of Jerusalem in upwards of 130,000 people. If you were to go to Jerusalem now, that would not seem like a big deal because you have the new city and the old city. And you would think, well, 130,000 isn't going to make a big difference. This is a city that is incredibly small. Geographically insignificant. And now 130,000 people are there. But God, in this moment, as the people are praying in the upper room, God is eventually going to release these people out to all the other people who are in the city to share the good news so that those people could go back to their hometown with the good news to evangelize their family and friends. Pentecost is significant because of a few things. One of the things that makes it significant is this. It's the final act of the saving ministry of Jesus before a second coming. So this was the long-awaited promise. Jesus talked about this. Ezekiel talked about this in, in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Joel talked about this. The prophet Joel talked about this in Joel 2. This was the long-awaited moment when the Holy Spirit would be given to God's people. This was the final act of the saving ministry of Jesus before his second coming. Second, Pentecost brought the apostles the equipment they needed for their special role to evangelize, to be witnesses. Third, Pentecost was was the inauguration of a new era of the Spirit. That now the Holy Spirit would be released to all believers upon repentance. And repentance, or excuse me, in Pentecost has been called a great revival. Because not only did it affect the people in that room, it also affected people outside of that room as the people were spread out and sharing the good news. 
You know, a little while ago, the band, by the way, did an amazing job of leading us in worship today, right? Amazing. This song, God of Revival, every time I, I hear that song, I'm just so reminded of the things I should be expecting and asking God for, and I still ask God to bring revival here, right here. That, that God would do a work in me and, and in you and through us all to bring the good news to our city and to the nations right out of Christian County and Taylorville and in the city that you live in. This is something I pray about. This is something that I want. This is something I desire, and I believe that it's the heart of God. There was a revival that was happening here, and these people were all together, and they had positioned themselves to receive this miracle. When I was preparing for this message, I was sitting in my basement, and the, where my desk is now and where I study on, on most Wednesdays is I sit and my desk has a window right in front of it. So I daydream like the best of us, right? Like I'm, I spend time praying, but, you know, I, I kind of daydream. And I'm, I'm working and right up from my, my laptop, I can look up outside the window. And on this given day, I cut the grass fairly recently. So there was all sorts of birds and squirrels and chipmunks and everything out in the yard. It looked like a zoo. I mean, it was just they were all out there. And, and I love that kind of stuff, and, and because I was in the basement, I was right at, like, ground level with most of the things that were right out there. One of the things that struck me as I was kind of daydreaming and looking out there is they were all spread out, and everything was fine. I have squirrels, and they're, they're, they're kind of doing their thing, and the birds would come in, and they'd move around. They were doing their thing. But there was a moment that a squirrel got too close to a bird. And the bird let the squirrel know that the squirrel was too close to the bird. So the squirrel got close, and then the bird flew up and took and nipped at the squirrel. And I was like, that's getting intense. It's like WWE for animals out in my yard. That's neat. I was like, I don't know. This study thing's ain't out the way. I'll sit here and sit for a while. So I'm watching all this happen, and, and this... But what's weird is then the, the squirrel kind of moves away, but the bird's like, uh-uh, you ain't far enough, and then came at it again and again and again, and then eventually the squirrel actually went on the other side of my, completely the other side of the yard. I could barely see the squirrel, but what I could see is I could see that same bird flying down going at that squirrel. And I was like, what in the world? There's plenty of yard people. Enjoy this thing. And I didn't think that. But anyway, and they're not people anyway. But I'm looking at all of this happen, and I thought, man, that's so interesting. And then you know what God brought to mind? We in the church, can be, we can be all together in the same room, but yet if somebody gets too close to us, we can become territorial and we can become like that bird to the squirrel. It's like sometimes we can be okay. We'll, we'll be all together, but you just kind of keep your distance, and you keep your distance, and you just you manage your life, and I'll manage my life. And we can become so territorial that even if there's any sort of closeness, then we can start nipping at one another and driving one another away. These people... We're all together. 
they were all together. A large number of people gathered together. A number that not that different than what's in the room right now. Believing, anticipating, pursuing, trusting, and knowing that God was for them and that God was gonna work through them. What could our city be like if we took that posture? Where we decided once and for all that we're all going to be together. Second takeaway from verse four, as you see that it's the Spirit's work. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As the Spirit enabled them. There are different references here about what the Holy Spirit is doing, that the Holy Spirit is filling them and the Holy Spirit is giving them the ability to speak. But know that it's the Spirit's work. Sadly, some things are done in the name of the Holy Spirit that's not actually to glorify God at all, it's to glorify man. When the Holy Spirit was released the day of Pentecost, this wasn't to glorify man, this was to glorify God and to send man on mission for God. That's what's going on here. That's big picture. The Spirit's work. But they were all together in this Spirit work. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were all excited about uh, the new series of the TV show Alive. Has anyone, anyone watched the TV show Alive, 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 Alive? It's okay, raise your hand if so. Anyone, have anyone seen the TV show? Anyway, so it's a TV show where they, they, they take 10 contestants who voluntarily go, and they get dropped off. It used to be in upstate Washington, Oh, now I believe it's in Canada, and they get dropped off, and they're alone, and they only get like a couple things, like literally only a couple things to survive on, and they can stay there indefinitely until they like hit a button, and they call in, and they, they transmit a signal, and then have people come and get them, and then they're rescued, but then they lose. And they're actually competing against other people. Again, 10 total contestants. It's the craziest thing. Like these people, like I know how I would be, I'd be like all excited, like I'm going to Alaska, I'm going to Canada, I'm going to upstate Washington until they drop me off. And then I'm like, I'm alone, I'm scared, I'm going to die, and it's going to hurt. Give me the button, give me call, I'm calling people in. Like that's just what I'm going to do. But what's amazing to me is how these people, they're set out and they're trying to, to live by themselves and you see that there are certain necessities that they live in, that they need, that are not the same things that we think we need. It's very primitive. And now the longer, I think they're in season six now, the longer that show goes on, the longer people are living alone, off in the woods. Oh yeah, and they also compete for like half a million dollars. So there's like, there's something there too. They only need a few things to actually exist in that way. And it's not as complicated as what people may think as to what they actually need to survive, even in those desperate situations. I want you to know this. When the Holy Spirit comes into a man, woman, or boy, or girl, you are given an ability to do everything 
that God wants you to do. That that key has been unlocked inside of you. And what we need to do is stay in fellowship with God, not grieve the Spirit so that we can live in the Spirit and do the things that He's asking us to do. It's actually not as complicated as what people may think. We add in a lot of theology. We add in a lot of other complicated things. We make things complicated. And sometimes I think we actually make things complicated just to let ourselves off the hook. When the answer for most things is what many of you heard in Sunday school and, and that, that I heard in the little bit of Sunday school I had as a kid, most, most things can be resolved by getting into God's word, by praying to God, and being around God's people. Most, most things can be resolved in that way. In the TV show Alive, you see that there's only a few, few things that people actually need to survive, and, and they put it all on full display. I want to connect it with this. As a body needs breath to live, the church needs the spirit to be called alive. If the church doesn't have the Holy Spirit, it's actually not a church. It's just a group of people gathered together. We could be doing a bunch of re- religious things. We could say some religious things. We could be singing some religious songs. We could be doing some religious acts. We could be doing all of that. But if, if the Holy Spirit isn't alive within you, you're actually not part of the church. Consequently, if you are part of the church, that means that the Holy Spirit's residing within you. And that means when we're all together, there's something that is tying us all together And it's not our opinions, it's our faith. It's our faith. Which means we can can allow ourselves some room for differing opinions. Because it's our faith in Christ that's keeping us together. It's the essentials of the faith that are keeping us together. This group that's meeting in, in the upper room anticipating God to do something miraculous. They're different people. They don't all look the same, think the same, believe the same, but yet they're gathered with the same expectation that God would do something. And they were living by faith. Third fill in the blank is this. Verses 5 through 11. Seed and Soil. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The Holy Spirit is is doing a work now, and the Holy Spirit is giving them the seed, but he's also softening the soil to put the seed. It's the same thing that God is doing now. When God is at work in someone's life and he's about to bring salvation to someone and he's about to, to have them uh, have the ability to possess faith, 
and turn their life over to Jesus. That's the Spirit's work of convicting, wooing, and drawing the individual in. And the individual's response is repentance and confession of their sin. The gospel is the seed and the soul is the soil. It was the same way then and it's the same way now. In verse 5, it says this. It says, from every nation. In other words, God is about to disperse the seed to this group of people and to the souls of these people and it's going to be further dispersed out from these people back into their homeland of which we just read a moment ago. As I close, I want to tell you a story. A church in Dallas, Texas, they were praying for property to build a building. They started out as half of a house church, and then it grew into a full house church, and then it grew into, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with all these people? But land was very expensive, and the area where they wanted to put the church was, it was, property was expensive, and the church was filled with a lot of people who were poor, but people were coming to faith, and they didn't have a lot of money, so they prayed. Over a period of time, and people consistently praying for a place to put their church and, and to grow and to reach their city and to reach their neighborhood, they had an opportunity of of getting a piece of land. It was a great deal. And they actually had, there was an acre that was purchased and they got it for a steal, so they thought. They bought the land and they thought everything was great, but then before they were building the land, they had the, the soil tested to make sure that they had to do the geotechnical work to basically put the foundation and to build the building and all that they had dreamt of. But they found that that property was previously a landfill. So they went down 20 feet, and where they thought they were going to build their building, now it was a landfill, and now they couldn't build a building. So what would this small but growing church do? They prayed. They gathered together and prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And the pastor stood up, and he asked the people to say, to God, say, God, please bring a miracle. Turn this landfill into good soil. So they did. Sometime later, it wasn't instantaneous, but sometime later, one of the ladies in the church came up and she said, Pastor, it's done. He's like, what's been done? She said, it's done. God said, it's done. God answered our prayer. So by faith, he called in somebody to come and do another test of the soil. They went down another 20 feet. This time, after prayer and believing, it was soil. You may think, well, God doesn't do that stuff anymore. That's like, like, this is like the 21st century. God doesn't do that. Oh, yes, he does. 
Yes, he does. God turned that landfill into soil, and they were able to to not only begin the building, but what was interesting is the same real estate agent who'd actually sold them the property and knew that it was a landfill came back after they got the other core sample, after the miracle, and wanted to pay them three times as much as what they paid because he knew too. God is still in the miracle business. There's this misconception that even where we live now, and I, I kind of hear this, this ruminating, just an, a negative sense about the city of Taylorville and Christian County as a whole, almost treating it as if it's a, a landfill. But I want you to know this. I've talked to God, and it's soil. It's good soil. You've got friends and family. It's good soil. There are people whose lives need to be changed by the gospel. You and I are to be the people who are spreading the seed. God makes it grow. So no more will I hear negativity, not from you as a people. I'm not coming at you. I'm not. But no more will I hear negativity and, and assume that any of that negativity is true. And instead, I'm believing and I know that God is saying, no, this is actually good soil. Just do the work. I'm faithful to bring the harvest. God wants to bring the harvest. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray to you in this moment. God, to bring a harvest. God, show us the soil. Give us courage to plant the seed. Lord Jesus, for the man or woman or boy or girl who's in here, God, maybe they're just, they're desperate for a miracle in their own right. Give them faith to continue believing. Give them courage to continue acting. Refresh them with the love of the Father. Continue to remind all of us, God, that we're known and that we're loved. Lord Jesus, what amazes me about what we read and studied today is this. The people were all together waiting for the Spirit to work so that they could take the seed and plant it into soil. And the same was true of them and the same is true of us. We thank you, Jesus, for inviting us in to this great and powerful work. We pray in Christ's name.